This is episode 48 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. We are discussing the topic of comparison and contentment for the month of November over on kindredmom.com. There are multiple essays where moms have shared different experiences they've had about dealing with comparison and cultivating contentment in their lives. We hope that you'll go over there and check out what has been shared on the blog so far this month. Also, the last episode we talked about comparison and just some really, I don't know, honest stuff about how comparison affects our lives. And this episode, we're kind of stretching into the contentment side of the conversation. The first segment includes Lynn Patty, one of our Kindred Mom team members, and Rebecca Crosby, who's been serving as a writer in residence for our community for the last couple of months. And I hope you really enjoy that conversation. I just loved what they had to say on this topic. And For the second half of the show, I had a guest, my good friend, Tammy Mashburn, who is a writer and a grandmother and someone who has really traveled through a season of suffering. She has such incredible thoughts about how to embrace where we really are, struggles and all, and cultivate a sense of contentment in our lives. I hope you love what she has to share because she is such an inspiration to me. Thank you so much for being here, and we hope you'll connect with us online, Instagram and Facebook, and enjoy the show. Well, I'm excited to begin this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast, where we are going to be taking a close-up look at the topics of comparison and contentment with this episode leading more into the contentment realm. And today I have two friends with me, Lynn Patty and Rebecca Crosby here to join in the conversation. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi, Emily. So great to have you both. And I am really thrilled about this topic this month because I think it's something that applies in many situations as we parent and mother and navigate our identities as women. And so I guess I would love to jump in with some thoughts. Um, Each of you can share what you think contentment when we're talking about that. I feel like that could go a number of directions, but maybe into a personal definition of what contentment means to you and what it looks like in your own life. I'd really love to hear that. I think for me, contentment, it can be expressed in a lot of different ways. For me, it I feel like it's it's rooted in the amount of peace I'm feeling in my soul. Like it, it, It's really a, a deeply rooted mm-hmm. aspect of life. Um, I think my levels of contentment or discontent are directly connected with how at peace I am with my relationship with God, with what's going on in our home. Um, I feel like those overflow into so many other areas. I think if I'm not really walking closely in my relationship with God, if I'm not seeking wisdom and paying attention to the gifts in my life, I can easily start to feel a little disrupted and unsettled. And that leads to these feelings of discontent. And then I feel like my eyes start to wander elsewhere, yeah. uh, which only feeds into that issue. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think when I am thinking about contentment, it's one of those words that just feels like a pretty big deal. <laughs> And like, I don't know if I can accomplish contentment, if that's something that I need to do as like a task on my list, I need to try to achieve this. I don't know if that's something that feels very feasible for me, which is one reason why I think it's good to look at this topic 
because I think that contentment to me is really a way to describe maybe a state that I am in Mm. once I have put some things in order in my life, both in my thinking about certain things and also in how I respond to the circumstances around me. And, you know, so for me, I more equate contentment with experiencing peace. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, as a way to describe that place, like once I have arrived to a place of peace, even if it's momentary, I describe that more as contentment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I I think it's a very multi-layered thing and almost something which may be hard to nail down Mm -hmm. or it may be very individual um, in terms of what it's going to practically look like in a person's Mm -hmm. life. For me, I think beginning at the at the root of contentment is uh, identity and who I am. Mm -hmm. Because I think, uh, so I am a stay-at-home mom and I homeschool my children and and we have five kids. And man, I'll tell you what, if if that identity were not okay with me Mm -hmm. or something wasn't resonating with me, then I would find contentment very elusive. But because I do feel that this is where God has me and where I am supposed to be in terms of life purpose and stuff, then I feel like contentment becomes more available to Mm -hmm. me. So I think it's important, I guess, here at the onset to just to address maybe a mom out there or a listener whose identity is shifting right now Mm -hmm. or who isn't quite sure about who they are, because that could lead to discontent. Yeah. Well, and I guess too, the thing I was thinking about as we were preparing for this is just how discontent as a way to describe how we feel at a given moment. I just think that's a different thing than mm-hmm. being in a place of struggle. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are lots of times that we struggle through the challenges of every day with our kids, with all of the demands and responsibilities that we are shouldering, which that's right from the beginning of pregnancy with your first child of just the seeing what's ahead, what is going to be required of you to when your child shows up or your second or third or fourth child shows up. And just how I just think that there is a way to struggle through what it is we experience without dipping into the zone of discontent. Like discontent to me describes something that is almost like a, I don't accept where I am. Like, or there's Mm -hmm. some, I don't know if I have a really good, you know, slick definition of it, but discontent kind of gets into a, a negative space that I think we lump them together sometimes. Like if we're struggling, discontent seems like it goes right with it. But I just think that if we can separate those out and be able to say, this is where I am, this is how I'm struggling, and I'm still grateful for my life, or I'm still grateful for my children, or I'm still am going to embrace where it is that I am, you can have the struggle without the discontent, if that makes any sense. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Rebecca already kind of alluded to this whole like peace and contentment and the hand-in-hand kind of nature that they have. And as I see it, I see like peace as like the big, big circle. Like that's just the overarching mm-hmm. thing. And that contentment is a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It's so funny. As I was sitting down to think about these ideas, I was trying to think, what's, is there even a good analogy for, you know, what comes first, the contentment or the peace? And for me, for me, I think contentment or discontentment, whichever we're talking about is 
the fruit of whatever I've planted and sown. So if I'm sowing a life of peace and trust and and rest and choosing not to worry, even though it's so mm-hmm. hard, especially since I've become a parent, that's that's incredibly challenging to not worry. But if I'm sowing peace, I think what's going to bloom or grow or, you know, fruit, there's some kind of a, there's some kind of a plant life image in there somewhere for me. That's what kept coming to mind for me was a tree Mm. or something, something like that, where the contentment was evidence of what I had Mm. planted. But I do think it's really interesting, Lynn, that you mentioned identity and, and it is really hard to separate the two the idea of something we're struggling with. Oh goodness. It's so hard. It's so hard to pull those things apart because when you mentioned, you know, a new mom out there who's struggling with a new, with this new role, Oh my goodness, that, that just hits me right in the heart. Because when I, when I was a mom for the first time, I had a million expectations for what that was going Mm -hmm. to look like. And nothing went the way that I thought it would from pregnancy to my baby. And I felt I felt out of sorts mm-hmm. and I thought these things would come naturally to me. And, and I think, I think there was some discontent in my life. Then everything felt in turmoil, but I can also look back at that, that season of my life. And I can, and I can also see how I wasn't, I wasn't rooted in peace during that season. I wasn't trusting. I was worried. I was fretting. I was mm-hmm. scared. Um, and I think that's all okay. It's how we're able to work through it, which I just really had to, it's, it's been years and it's mm-hmm. not been, oh, I'm just going to, I'm choosing in this moment to trust God with my motherhood and with this child and it's going to be smooth sailing. It has not been right. like that. It's been up right. and down and a constant returning to, okay, I have a God who loves me and who trusts me, who has given me this child to raise and can I, am I mm-hmm. really trusting him? And if I am, then I think that's where that peace enters in um, and then just changes, changes the way that I feel, changes whether I'm able to be grateful for this life that I've been mm-hmm. trusted with and, and the way that I handle motherhood going forward. Yeah, I think all of that is so good. And I'd love to turn this a little bit towards our own experiences if you guys are up for some vulnerability. <laughs> and I'd love uh, sure. to know if you... Yeah, if you struggle yourself with being content, if you have an example of um, either when you really did find contentment in a season or when you have really struggled to have that sense of contentment. I'll jump in here because I just feel like this past two or three months just for us as a family personally has been some of the hardest uh, stuff that we've dealt with. And by we, I guess I mean I, because, and it just goes right along with this. Can I be content in, though the circumstances are, you know, battering Mm -hmm. me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but just, you know, and it's nothing, there's no health concerns, nothing like that. We just are trying to sell our house and we live in LA. So it is quite competitive when you are selling your house. And it's just been a very tough season for me. I was not Mm -hmm. content through all of that. And my gut reaction was not to be like, yep, this is fine. Look, I'm just totally going to sail through this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. You know, it just wasn't. I think that we all walk through seasons where it's tougher to to dig deep for that peace Mm -hmm. and contentment. um, And we really have to choose to fight for it. Uh, I think about my girls are in school and we, my oldest and myself, we both really like routines. And my kids love going to school. It's been 
one of those decisions that we make year after year. We reevaluate our situation and choose what we're going to do. And she loves the routine and everything is the same every day and she knows what to expect. And I laugh when I see that in her because she gets it from me. And when summer creeps around the corner, I know everyone, I, I always am so laden with guilt because I see other moms online and you know, this is a problem. I also is seeing all the other moms online talking about how excited they are to have their kids home for the summer and they're making a, a summer bucket list and they're going to do all these adventures. And I'm just, and I'm just sitting there with my head in my hands going, what am I going to do with these kids mm-hmm. all summer? Partly because I'm an introvert and my batteries run down and I can only interact with people for so long before I need to go kind of recharge and refuel. And when your kids are home all day, I mean, you ladies know, (laughs) you don't get those breaks. You don't get the time, the downtime that that I normally had. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so spoiled because I'm at home during the day working from home where it's peaceful and quiet. And then I feel, you know, it's just this back and forth. And then I feel so guilty that my, that I'm feeling dread over the idea of my kids being home over the summer. Mm -hmm. But that is a big, that's a big contentment battle for me. And this summer, thank the Lord was, was so different. And it felt like such a gift. I felt like I was able to enjoy them more and enjoy that time and kind of just embrace letting go of all the normal stuff that I usually like to do during my day. Um, Cause a little bit of that, it, it, it feels like it's a little bit of selfishness, like this is my time. And what about me? And then, you know, I look at these kids and they're like, well, we're just, (laughs) we're just here. We want to be with you. You know, we, and, and I just love them so much. And so of course I want that too. But this disruption of my routine, that, that can be a big grading factor for me when it comes to those kinds of feelings. Yeah, that's so true. And I am just noticing that the more we talk about this topic, the more I think it has a relationship with so many other emotions that we feel, whether Mm -hmm. we feel um, insecure while we're scrolling Instagram and see other moms and all the awesome things they're doing, or whether we just feel fearful of what is unknown ahead, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's transitions or just different kinds of upheaval in our families and the, the worry and the what ifs, all of those things are disruptive to contentment. And I guess I just want to backtrack a little bit and just say that to me, this is something that I aspire to. I want to be a content person or a person that experiences peace on a regular basis, maybe not every moment, but that's just something that I long for is having a settledness and kind of a drama-free inner life that is not always just so tied up in knots over every last thing that's going on in my day. And so in that... That's why I'm drawn to this topic, but I don't want to paint it as this is the biggest ideal that everybody should hold in their lives and put this pressure on you to like achieve something that may or may not be within your grasp at this particular moment. You know, for me, I have just been through enough seasons of discontent and also seasons of peace and just starting to notice what it is in my life that is different because I have had more peace sometimes in seasons of total unrest in the rest of my family. But for whatever reason, I myself have been able to kind of find my center or been able to just let the chaos swirl around me without like knocking Mm -hmm. me off 
you know, (laughs) what it is I'm trying to be doing. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is just the link between gratitude and contentment, because, you know, I think gratitude as we're in November, as we're looking at Thanksgiving just ahead, it's always wonderful to have a thankful heart. I think it's always wonderful to stop and notice the things that are blessings in our lives. But that action of just giving thanks and being grateful just really is a proactive thing that I think helps us stay out of the low spot of just really despairing in our circumstances. So for me, the link between them is that gratitude is the action that I can take Mm. to guard myself against just not giving up really some days. And contentment is more like a posture that as I give thanks that I just have my hands open facing the sky saying, Without fear, I'm just going to keep my hands open to both what I need to let go of as well as what I'm here to receive. And that posture just helps me think about it in in a way that doesn't make it a task that I need to accomplish as much as a posture that I can just sit in, if that makes sense. Yes, I think that's beautiful. I love the way you phrase that. Gratitude has been a game changer for me in motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, a creature of habit and having kids totally disrupts, disrupts your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went through, uh, when our oldest was born, that was, that was round one. And then we went through a long season of infertility between our two girls. And by the time the second came around, I was so surprised we hadn't given up, but I had kind of released that desire. And, and so to discover that I was pregnant and then have this baby in my arms, I just remember sitting, sitting in our living room, maybe around Christmas time, she was about six months old that year and holding her and just being in total awe of the sheer fact of her existence and thinking about how it changed me as a mother. And I think that's all, I think it's all linked with gratitude. Um, Mm -hmm. When I'm able to, when I'm able to find the gifts, even on the worst days, um, when I'm able to name the qualities that I'm seeing in my kids when they're when they're being horrible, mm-hmm. you know, it does change everything. It and it does affect your posture. And yeah, I just think that was a beautiful way to say that, Emily. I like, I love that phrasing. Oh, well, I'm I'm always the one who's like, give me the practical stuff, and if that isn't practical, <laughs> I don't know what is because you're just yeah. totally right, Em. I mean, it's the action point. It's like, okay, so what if I'm discontent? Yeah. You get on your knees and you say thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just so much, and obviously, it's our job to look around and find the people who um, who may not have a lot to be grateful for right now and to help them, whatever. But just, I know for me personally, even if we're selling our home and moving or whatever we're doing, there's just so much that I can be grateful for. That's a, it's a very good reminder. Yes. And And also to, also to, um, to encourage that in our Mm -hmm. children, you know, because they are just looking at us. It's a situation happened the other day where we had to be out of the house and we were going to go to a very popular um, mm-hmm. theme park, which we thought we had valid tickets uh-huh. for. Um, and we went all the way there and parked and we were talking about all that we were going to do in the park that day. And come to find out that to be honest, Mike and I totally messed up and the tickets were not valid. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no. <laughs> um, so we could not go into the park that day. 
Well, let me tell you, let me, then man, that will just let you know which kids are on board with this whole gratitude in all circumstances. <laughs> um, but all that to say that, it, you know, they all looked at us and, and we were, we threw up our hands and we said, well, let's go find something else to do. Cause we had to be out of the house and we did. And it was fine. It was totally fine. But it just was that reminder, like just that my eldest was really struggling. She had really um, wanted to go. So she looked at us and, you know, we talked about the whole uh, making lemons into lemonade and that whole thing, which is trite and cute and obviously a much shallower version of what we're talking to. But when you're 11, she got to figure out what that really means. You know? Yes. So, yeah, I do think that how we think about contentment really influences the way that we parent. And, you know, it's something that I think. 90% of my job right now with as many children as I have is really how do we keep the peace here? Because there's just so many ways it can go sideways if somebody takes someone else's toy or steps on somebody's toe or any any small thing can just completely disrupt the rapport between the kids. And so one of the things as far as your theme park situation, like We've had so many opportunities over the years to just really learn how to be flexible. And I know some kids do this better than others, um, but that's a value that I try to teach them from an early age, that if our plans have to change, we just talk about it and we say, well, we were planning to go to the park, but instead this has to happen for this reason. So we're going to be flexible, you know, and just being able to talk about flexibility and what it is, how to accomplish that. And I think that my kids have responded really well to that. It's not that it's perfect. I mean, there's always somebody's disappointed with something or just Mm -hmm. there are real emotions to deal with. But I do think as a general rule of thumb that flexibility in our family has been a really important part of how we get through the seasons together because as many transitions as we've had over the years, I think flexibility has kind of been a non-negotiable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think also just to look at your, your day, your week, oftentimes for me, it happens when I go to bed that I realize something that my child did that was really good that day. Maybe during the day I'm looking for the bad things. I don't know. But at night I stop and I say, I can't believe that. No, you know, this one did this, or I saw him help his brother up and I didn't see anything. And so I will tell them the next day, thank you for doing that, you know, and just, just that act of like being seen and, and knowing that mom was grateful mm-hmm. for that, keeping the peace like you're saying. And, and I would, I would also say, you know, in those moments where they are, where the kids are disappointed by mm-hmm. something, you know, thing plans were to go one way and then it was derailed and didn't work out or whatever it is, not only teaching them that flexibility, but letting everyone feel the range of their feelings as, you know, in response to whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell my daughter all the time, it's okay to feel disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel angry, but how can we move on? You know, how can we move forward from this together? And, you know, sometimes that involves me sitting there with her in that moment expressing, yeah, I'm feeling sad about this too. I'm really bummed. We were 
looking forward to doing this, this or this. And, and now we can't, but what can we do instead? And I, yeah, I love, that's a great idea. And, and just teaching them to be teaching them to f- be flexible, like you were saying, Emily. And yeah, one of the things that I had jotted down, I've been writing on this topic this month, just to explore it a little bit and kind of gather my own thoughts about contentment. And really, I mean, we're recording this before we've even hit November. So I'm thinking about it also in terms of like, how do I want to approach this month with my kids? And Mm. one of the things that I wrote down that has really just stuck in my mind for the last couple of weeks is how contentment isn't like some noble declaration that nothing hurts, that everything is fine, or that all circumstances are perfect, that it's really just a choice to say that I'm going to embrace what is true right now instead of pining for or longing for something that isn't or isn't yet here. And that is something that, as I thought about this more and more, I just think it really is about trust. It is about trusting relationships. For me, it's about trusting God and learning how to know that his intention for me is good. And in relationship to my children, I think the more time I invest in really building the trust between us, they can receive from me when we do have a disappointment or a situation that didn't go how we wanted it to, that they can still see that my heart for them is you know, noble is that I want what's best and good for them. And I did have a conversation with my oldest son one time where he was experiencing a very sharp disappointment over something. And, you know, he kind of had something to say back to me about it that was kind of hurtful. And it was something I took personally Mm -hmm. because I understood in the moment. But I also just said, buddy, do you know that I desire to give you good things? I desire for you to experience joy and as much much as I'm able to accomplish that, that's what I'm working for. That's not always mm. what we end up having. And so I need you to trust my intentions toward you that even though this didn't go the way we mm. planned it and you're disappointed, that I am always looking for ways to be a blessing to you. And the more I said that out loud, the more I'm like, I just think this is really God's heart for mothers as well. Yes. That There are a lot of ups and downs, and there are a lot of things that we encounter that are many layers, especially when you have multiple personalities in your house that you're juggling and there's, you know, responsibilities and pressure. And then there is this internal stuff of our identities and our sense of self-worth and even our children and their self-esteem as, you know, like (laughs) I I already think like about my own self-esteem and keeping that afloat is hard enough. And then to like mm-hmm. then also be a mm-hmm. steward of my children's self-esteems, each one as an individual, that can be a really overwhelming thing to think about. Oh, but I yes. think, um, you know, that I'm just thinking of a quiet trust in a relationship is an expression of a contentment that I just, that's just really been sticking Mm -hmm. with me. Yes. That's beautiful. And those feed one Mm -hmm. into the other, I think. I wanted to also just really quickly talk about the connection between contentment Mm -hmm. and material things, because I know in our uh, life as a family, that has been something I've noticed that when we have less Mm -hmm. Uh, stuff in our house that it leads to a greater contentment. I feel like my oldest is starting to really understand this. The others are 
uh, still needing my help a lot, but I guess it was maybe nine months ago, she gave away or sold or whatever, a lot of her Mm -hmm. things that were in her room and her room is now like super empty and it's kind of funny. I'm just like, wow, she just doesn't um, care about stuff so much. And what I've seen grow in her is more creativity and more, um, uh, focus on relationships and play dates and rather than, you know, collecting a bunch of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that there's room for both. I really do. But I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that resonates with either of you. Yeah, I, I just have been thinking about when it comes to material things, where our expectations sit has everything to do with how we can engage that. <laughs> because I think if we expect, like, I will have nice things, I will have a beautiful wardrobe, my children will, any number of expectations that we can scrounge up from our barrel of them. Um, I think those are always things that I just find myself really trying to investigate. If I am holding an expectation with a tight fist, whatever it might be, I really just want to open my hand and look at it and be like, why am I holding this so tightly? And so often it is tied to something that I'm afraid of losing or something that I feel like is brings me a sense of security or something that I mean, there's too many different things to parse out each one. But I just think that being willing to look at what it is we're holding so tightly to and understanding why we're holding so tightly to it has everything to do with freeing us from that need to like have more, keep all our stuff. I don't know, (laughs) that kind of a thing. And so, you know, in in a practical way, when we're trying to purge things from our house, and I really do involve my kids in that process, even though it's probably a little more dramatic than it needs to be if I were to just do it myself. But I want them to think about, (laughs) do I really need this item? Is this something that really matters to me? Or is it something that I'm just holding on to? And you know, we recently also got rid of our gaming system that all of my children have enjoyed in a lot of ways. It's been a great thing to bring our family together. But just seeing that, especially my sons, that their expectation is if we do this, then we get that. <laughs> and I'm like, eh. it's more like right. if I see the character right. in you and the willingness to do and serve your family the way that I'm asking you to, I'd be so glad to reward them with time playing games. But there was something just really toxic about that expectation that they had that I was like, we're going to just delete this mm-hmm. from the situation for a while. And so our uh, Xbox went to grandma's house for a while. <laughs> 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 it's honestly been better. I mean, there's they no longer have the expectation yeah. that they will have that. And they're still really growing in their willingness to help around the house, which has been really necessary in our current season um, of our family life. And I'm going to talk about that more in a future episode because we've just had a lot of personal things going on in the last few months that I haven't shared on the podcast yet. But that's coming in um, kind of a personal update episode in the future. So... That's just a practical application for me of untangling our expectations from our things. Yes. And I have a child who who loves trinkets and associates any random item, <laughs> I mean really random item, <laughs> with, with some type of memory or feeling or there's something special about it. And when we have gone in to do like major cleaning in her room, the things that I find, I'm going, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's really eye-opening for me. But then I look around my own personal spaces and I go, oh my goodness, I do the same thing. You know, I, I associate 
items, just stuff mm. with, with, with feelings or memories. And sometimes, you know, there are those treasured things that you want to hang on to or, or pass down to your children and that kind of thing. But I look around sometimes and I think, okay, I don't need any mm. of this stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. something that I've had to make myself aware of as, you know, as my 10 year old has gotten older is being aware of the fact that she's watching my behaviors, even when I'm not realizing that she's watching. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really valuable for, for her and for me when I go through my drawers and clean out things that I don't need, or I go through my bookshelf and pull out books that I don't, I don't need these things anymore. And we gather up a a trunk load of things to go drop off at a donation. Mm -hmm. And she's looking at me and her eyes are getting so big. You're getting, you're going to give these things Mm -hmm. away. And I'm like, okay, we're going to keep, we're going to keep working on this. And it is, it's a slow process, but learning to just be a little more open-handed with our belongings and the things that we have. Another huge thing for my kids is we've always done bedtime prayers with each of the Mm -hmm. girls every night when we tuck them in, whether it's my husband or me, whoever, whoever has the energy to hop up out of the chair and go and go do the tucking in, we'll say a prayer over each child. And I have tried to focus my prayers on the simple gifts of God's provision for us Mm -hmm. every day. We have beds to sleep in. Thank you, God, for our beds. Thank you for these warm pajamas. Thank you that we're going to bed with food in our tummies. Thank you, you know, that we have a roof over our head that keeps us dry from the rain and things like that. And to see my girls start to express gratitude Mm -hmm. for those those daily, you know, just those daily needs being met. And then to see, you know, my four-year-old will now chime in and pray and, and she'll pick out, you know, things out of thin air. I'm like, wait, what are we praying about? Thank you for Batman. And thank you for the carpet. And, but but I love that she's looking around her space and she's seeing these things as gifts. And that's, that's been big for us as well. My kids don't like, we don't have cable at our house. So my kids don't have a whole lot of exposure to commercials. But a couple of weeks ago, we were on a trip and where we were staying, you know, the the kids channel that we popped on the TV for them had ads and my, (laughs) their eyes were like buggy, you know, (laughs) I want that and I want that and I want that. And I'm going, Oh my goodness, we need to turn the TV off because I feel like, you know, the less exposure they have to, to just stuff that they don't need the yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't even need to, that, that goes for me too. I need to delete some of these emails in my inbox from stores that, no, I don't need to open that and see things that I can't afford to purchase or, yeah. or see that beautifully decorated living room. Well, my house will never look like that. You know, those are just little, those little things that creep their way in. So, yeah. so the seeds of discontent in my heart, and it's the same thing for our kids. Yeah. So we are running out of time, even though I am loving this conversation. I wanted to just add one thing here at the end, and that is that the concept of surrender, we talked about posture and our open hands. And to me, that posture is the posture of surrender, where we, we're not giving up. We're not letting defeat overwhelm us. We're not saying that everything is fine and and peachy all the time, but there is um, just kind of this open-handedness of saying, I'm going to surrender my expectations or my disappointments or any of those things and just dwell on what is true. And with truth, I think that there is, there can be more than one truth at the same time. So the truth is my child is 
tremendous and amazing. And the truth is also that I'm really struggling with my child right now. <laughs> and yes, just being absolutely being comfortable with allowing those two truths to be true at the same time. And mm. I think if we can see surrender as a seed of contentment, as like the like something on the front end of wherever I'm standing right now, if I am on that line of discontent or I'm in a place of really feeling the struggle in a very pronounced way to open our hands and just plant that seed of surrender so that, you know, maybe the next step could be the gratitude and Mm -hmm. finding our way out of what can become a really dark hole. (laughs) So yes, yes. Anyway, we have to wrap up there, but ladies, thank you for being here for this conversation. And we're going to leave a notes in the show notes for this episode where you can be found online, but thank you for being here. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Love talking to you both. On this episode of the podcast, we are talking about how to cultivate contentment in our lives. And today I have a sweet friend here to chat with me about what cultivating contentment has looked like in her life. And she is a dear friend that we connected first about writing and have become much closer friends thanks to technology and just having um, conversations about our lives. And so I'm really pleased to welcome Tammy Mashburn. Tammy, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily. How are you? I am doing really well, and I'm so glad to have you today, and I hope that the time that we have here is really a blessing to our listeners. Um, I feel like I've had a unique window into your story and your journey from the last few years at least, and I know that you have just been through a lot of things, and so I, I am glad to have you here today. I'd love for you to begin by sharing a little bit about you and your family and the season of life that you're in. My husband and I have been married 31 years. We are empty nesters right now. We blended a family after two very broken marriages, one on his part, one on mine. So we blended together children at that time, Mm -hmm. 31 years ago. And um, they are now adults and they have blessed us with 10 precious grandchildren. So it is a busy Christmas season around here. I was a preschool teacher involved in ministry and um, just very busy, a long-distance runner, loved being involved with my children and my grandchildren, um, was a big help to them, and then suddenly my life took a big change, and so Mm -hmm. life today looks a lot different than it did five years ago, six years ago. And uh, that's where I am today. And this is the place that I have learned to cultivate contentment in my Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Well, it's something that just really oozes out of you that I I don't even know if you know to what degree it has impacted me to just hear you talk about just how you navigate the days that you are going through these difficult things. And to give some context, I'm hoping that you can share a little bit about what happened five or six years ago, what it is that specifically has changed about your circumstances. Oh, six years ago, I was um, actually was running in a half marathon. And prior to that particular moment in time, when I I call that my actual crash, Mm -hmm. we had had different incidences of passing out of unexplained symptoms. And a lot of tests had been run, but we never really knew what happened. Mm -hmm. As I was running that very last time that I ran, 
which was in Charleston, six years ago, in fact, around mm -hmm. this time of year. We made it around to mile two and everything went black on me. I hit the pavement. I lost my memory for several hours. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be running with a friend of one of the well-known cardi cardiologists here in town. Mm -hmm. And through his help and an immediate conversation with him on Monday, this was on a Saturday, we were able to get into his back door. I had fainted again on Monday and uh, he referred me to quickly looked at me, said, you know, this is a neurological issue. I had already spent time in the hospital passing out in Target, which is not a good, good hmm. place to yeah. happen. And uh, so he quickly, you know, was able to assess that this is not a heart issue. This is a neurological issue. Mm -hmm. From there, it took us six months to get a diagnosis. I went from a long distance runner, a very active person in my life, um, in my children's lives to, I uh, was in a wheelchair. Hmm. I completely lost my legs, the use of my arms. My husband was caring for me. I was bedridden. I had to have round the clock care. So when he worked, we had his sister. We were very blessed to have her. Hmm. She is a, a registered nurse. So she was able to come in and monitor the things that needed to be done. But quickly was able to, once we got the diagnosis, I was able to get into Duke. Um, they have a clinic for my particular disease. Yeah. At the, at the time, it was a startup clinic, and they diagnosed me right away as soon as they saw me, and I have what is a form of dysautonomia. There are probably 10 million sufferers of dysautonomia in one way or another. Lots of things fit under that umbrella. For mm -hmm. me, that is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And you get many layers that come with this disease, but your life comes to a screeching halt. And you have to learn how to manage a new way of life. I mean, there's right. everything that you had before comes to a stop. And then you have to figure out how to move forward in a new way. I had to learn to manage my disease, which at the time was so frightening. It, it caused a considerable amount of anxiety. Yeah. And um, it took just a lot of uh, learning through Duke to manage and tweaking of medications. It probably took us a solid two years with the help of Duke and a local yeah. neurologist to get me where I am today, which is about 60% quality of life. When we were rolled into Duke, I was maybe 20% quality of life. Um, mm -hmm. So we've come a long way. Well, I find that it can be difficult to take in all the details of what your actual diagnosis is. But the point for me has been to just see that you have very daily, very physical challenges that you have to overcome to do even basic things. And yet, whenever I talk to you, there is just a peace in your voice and a surrender to just embracing that this is where you really are. And so when I was thinking about who do I know that has anything to say about contentment, I just thought of you because I feel like even in my 
personal experience in the recent months. Um, you know, I've had some things of my own that are not on the same level of serious uh, of what you have encountered for the past several years, but I have been very humble just in very physical ways. And I would love for you to just talk about if contentment is something that you have intentionally pursued in your life, or if that is an overflow of something else that has happened in you as you have navigated this journey? I feel like as I've navigated my way through this, contentment came through that. It came through my faith, my relationship. I can look back now and see over the years where I prayed scriptures, and then those scriptures came back into play when Mm -hmm. I found myself in this place. Mm -hmm. And, um, what, you know, it, it doesn't always feel that way. There are days when I want to throw a, a temper tantrum before the Lord, but I realize that, uh, you know, he's brought me this far and I had to change so many things in my life that, you know, you could either move forward and be miserable and bitter, uh, but I didn't want to do that. I knew that I wanted to, um, I wanted to find a way to thrive in this new place that he had brought me to. Mm -hmm. And it was just strictly through cultivating that relationship with him over the years that manifested itself in that particular place and carried me through these days. It, I just couldn't do it Mm -hmm. uh, any other way. Yeah. I'm just curious how how it is that you've made peace because it's I know it's so hard to unpack every detail of every part of your journey, um, which is not necessarily what I'm asking. But with the challenges that you have in front of you, how is it that you make peace with just how difficult everything is? Seeking the Lord, seeking his strength for me, trusting him in this place. There were steps that led to this. I can say that looking back in it your first year or two you are strictly in survival mode you are simply putting one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. with the lord's help but then you get to a place where you come to accept okay this is my life today this is what it looks like and how do i make the best of that and there right there and this is where i tell people because this is the thing that that a lot of people miss when they have this you know this big 180 degree change in their life mm-hmm. is you have, you have to grieve you have to acknowledge what you have left behind mm-hmm. and you stop there and you grieve what was and then you just began a daily small steps of embracing where you are this mm-hmm. this is where i am and that was really what I did. And it, it took me a little bit to realize that I was grieving. I was, I never was depressed, mm-hmm. uh, but I did have to grieve what I had lost. And then I had to embrace what I had gained yeah. because to me, there's been much gain here, uh, probably more gain than I, I had continued my life the way I was living it, Right, which sounds hard to believe. Well, but- it's, it's really profound, really, because it's, I feel like it's such when I think about this in the context of motherhood, that a lot of women really struggle in those first few years of motherhood as they, I mean, it changes your life 180 degrees from before you have children to now having little ones dependent on us and needing us at every hour and that we are responsible for every last need and every last 
upheaval in our family. And I know that some mothers take to that really well and really naturally, and some just really have a hard time knowing how to sort out who who am I even now that I have children. And um, so I love just the practical application of even grieving. I know it's it's such a gift to have our children, but even grieving what we left behind because we're never going to be back at that place where we have no children. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it's a whole new season with a whole new set of challenges and just embracing what is new after allowing ourselves to feel all those other feelings of whatever we have left behind. That's right. You d- it is. It's the same concept because you've, you've lived your life this way up until this moment. Mm-hmm. And then the little ones come along and you're looking at a completely, totally different life. And, you know, so many women even are on their own having to do that. And you, I just think that you have to embrace where you are and to be able to move further, you have to to take those steps. I think you have to look back and go, okay, this is what was, but this is where we are today. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. is how we will move I think, too, that this is one reason that I have paired comparison and contentment together in this series that we're covering this month, because I think so much of comparing ourselves to other people or their circumstances or their successes is how we develop our expectations of ourselves and of the life that we have around us. And comparison can be such a hindrance to embracing what is presently true about us or in our circumstances currently. And I would love to know if you have wrestled with or encountered a propensity to compare your circumstances where you are now to other people's, or if that's something that has become less of an issue from earlier years. How does that fit into your pursuit of contentment? If I become discontented, I realize immediately that I am using comparison in my life or I've let it creep into my life, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, by looking at social media or looking around at all of my friends who still run. I had a huge community of people that I ran with. Mm -hmm. Their life has moved on, but mine is still here and it moves forward in a different way. And the minute I feel that discontentment, I know that it goes back to um, comparing myself to what was or to somebody else and what they have. Mm -hmm. Maybe the fact that they can get in the car and drive to Target and I no longer can do that. And I really just I try to dump that out right then, because if not, by the end of the day, I've rolled myself up in a blanket and, you know, and I've told my husband, you need to bring home takeout because I feel too bad to prepare a dinner for us tonight. Mm-hmm. And th- those are that is just one of the biggest cues for me. And so I I just try not to look around. I try to Im- look at where I am. And then for me, it's been this beautiful provision from God in this place that I've never had in any other place in my life. I think previous life. It, experiences maybe got me to that point Mm -hmm. Um, you know I can go back and look and see where he was preparing me uh, for that 
so that I would be able to accept it. And then I go into the doctor's office and I look around and they, they are so much worse than I am. They, they are depressed. Uh, suicide, there is a high rate of suicide with this illness. Mm-hmm. And through the hope of my salvation, I don't have that. And I have not experienced that. So, you know, I just, I set boundaries around myself so that I don't feel that discontentment moving in that usually is bred from comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do think that discontent is such a danger. It's not just a matter of seeing circumstances and wanting them to be different, but it's I think at the core of it, discontent is really, it chips away at seeing the value in the place and the person that we currently are. And when you start chipping away at your self-worth or at the beauty of life, even if it's a difficult season of life, that really chips away at our ability to enjoy anything, to share in in beautiful things with the people that we love. And that's why to me, like I have my own days of wrestling discontentment to the ground, but I just, I really want it to be in its place, which is under my feet and not, you know, swirling around my heart and mind and soul and taking over my thoughts. (laughs) So, um, right. Well, I know that you have a huge heart for moms who are still in the years of raising their children. And just because you have seen so much over the years from the women that you've been connected with and your own journey, I would love to know what you would share with moms who are in that season right now. And um, I'm just eager to hear wisdom from you about savoring these little years and being able to navigate uh, motherhood from a place of contentment. I think, you know, looking back on it, even then I was caught up in the busyness mm-hmm. of raising the children. Mm-hmm. And today it's even worse. The pressure is worse. We have social media. We have Pinterest that tells it, it tells us it has to be this way or that way. And if I could go back and tell my younger self as a mother and then the moms that I come in contact with in uh, through ministry, I would say just slow down and savor these moments that many people will tell you that this too shall pass and it will be gone and it's fleeting before you can, before you will even realize it. Mm-hmm. But, but what happens is you really do. I mean, it really is fleeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on this side of it and I can look back now and say, Oh no, you need to, you need to take your time and enjoy these moments. What, what is more important? Making yourself crazy trying to give the perfect Pinterest birthday party or is it celebrating that child's birthday in a way that um, they know it's about them Mm -hmm. and not about how it looks to everybody else? Yeah. And I think I catch myself really often these days just seeing how easy it is to be caught up in things that are not the most important things. And there is a pace of life and kind of a 
a productivity mindset, I think, in our culture that just makes us feel as moms like we need to be in the game. We need to, you know, stay in the workforce and we need to, you know, chase our dreams or our ideas or we're going to miss our opportunities when really the opportunities that are passing us by are the time that we have with these little ones because they don't stay little forever. And I think it can be kind of irritating (laughs) for those of us who do hear that all the time, like savor these moments and this is going to be gone before you know it. Because right now we're just feeling the pinch of how hard it is. (laughs) But I do think that is such a valuable thing to just pause on for a little bit and allow it. That little bit of irritation that it causes is there to just really get our attention, you know, because I'm right now I have my oldest child is going to be 13 on her next birthday. (laughs) And now I'm like looking at the runway where she will be launched from. And it's just so much sooner than I thought it would be. I mean, yes, I have probably five years with her still at home, but that doesn't seem like very much time to me no compared to how long it has seemed like I don't know the early years just sometimes seem really long and hard and so full of demands for my time and attention and now I, I just find myself really wanting to press into her and wanting to do these next few years with such intention um because I am aware (laughs) that this time is going and this is special time so Well, I would love to know, um, just as we start to wrap this up, for moms who might be really in the trenches of discontent, which I don't I don't think we should blame ourselves for that. Um, I just think that we have to recognize the power that we have to change the story if we want to change the story. Um, but for the moms who are in the trenches of discontent or discouragement, what would you suggest to them as far as being able to turn the tables on that? I would say it's placing your identity in Christ. Um, we place our identity in how much we can do, what we are doing, even in the behavior of our children. Are our children compared to, we're no longer just comparing ourselves, but you know, comparing uh, your child to someone else's child. And I think the most important thing as, as a woman, and then as a wife, and as you become a mother, is if you are grounded in your identity in Christ, then the rest of that will fall away, I believe. Mm. Um, That's not to say that you're not going to have times of discontentment. You are. You're going to look around and go, I wish I had that bigger house or that bigger car. I wish my child had not acted that way while this child did not. But, you know, in truth, none of that really matters if you are solely, you know, if you are just rooted in that identity of Uh, in Christ Mm -hmm. rather than my identity does not rely on my children. It does not rely on how they behave. It does not rely on how many sports or activities they are involved in. It relies on God. And once I've done that and connected there, then I can come back with a full from a full place to be able to serve out Mm -hmm. within my family with the children. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tammy. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit about the book that you wrote and where some of our listeners can find you online if they want to follow up with you. Sure. 
I wrote a small devotional back in uh, March. It released in March called Mornings in the Word. And it birthed really out of my desire to share the story that I'm living. Mm -hmm. But it was a way for me to kind of get my feet wet, get out there, know that I could do this, that I could actually write a book. And um, so it came from that. And it also came from, I'm very passionate about that time of day when you connect with the Lord one-on-one. And it came from that place too, because I want other women to know that the whole day can look differently if you have connected with the Lord. And that looks different for each one of us. And, you know, in the throes of motherhood, it almost becomes a fast food relationship mm-hmm. with God. Um, you, you get it when you can get it, where you can get it. And that might be listening to the Bible on version or whatever mm-hmm. while you're doing the dishes. But, you know, for someone like me, you know, and as an empty nester, I have that time. Mm-hmm. And, but I really encourage women to find that place that is solely theirs, even if it is five minutes here and five minutes there. And to give yourself grace for not being able to spend the time that someone in my season can, mm-hmm. you know, give yourself that grace. Um, I have this beautiful young woman in my life that the Lord has brought into my life that we've become really close friends. And she is parenting two small children right now under the age of three. And she has a really great way of saying, you know, I start out this time with the Lord but I know starting when I start this time that I'm going to get up and down and get the sippy cup. I'm going to fix the cereal. I'm going to wipe the bottom, change the diaper, mm-hmm. fix the bottle. But I'm going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's not left that element out of her day, but she's had to work it in her day. And I think that is that's just such a beautiful picture for a young mom who is who squeezed for time, let alone to say, I'm going to sit down and have a quiet time and write out a prayer to the Lord in a journal, you know, or whatever. I think you have to just understand that this is what this season looks like. But first and foremost, to place my identity in him and then let the rest of that trickle down throughout my day. And, and you continuously go back to refill yourself and that, that sometimes looks like, even in my day, mm-hmm. um, it looks like just a whisper of refill me in this moment, uh, renew my heart in this moment, and re-strengthen me for the moments yet to come. Um, you know, that takes 10 seconds, and, um, and that's what you have to do, I think, until you get through this season of demands and busyness and you know, almost you're on the second burner because they are on the first mm-hmm. burner. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tammy. I, I do think it's so much about the intention to connect with the Lord rather than the quantity of time or how many chapters you read in the Bible or I have found for myself even meditating just on one line of a song or one verse in the Bible you know, really helps me to put my attention there at little moments throughout the day. So please, please, please share your website and where people can find you online. Okay. I am at 
Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y-L, Mashburn, M as in Mary, A-S-H-B as in boy, U-R-N, dot com. That will click you through to all the social medias. Most places it is T-L, Mashburn, on Instagram. Uh, I believe it's that way on Facebook and uh, Twitter. I wound up with a really weird name <laughs> of Washburn. <laughs> all right, well, we'll gather them and put them in the show notes for this episode. Tammy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.